Would you pray with me? Oh God, in this moment, we pray that you would hear our hearts, hear the rejoicing of our hearts before you. With everything that's going on in the world around us, we rejoice in you because you are the God who comes to us. You are the God who enters into our story, who enters into our lives and invites us into life. And God, we rejoice because of the promise that you have given us that you will come and that you will restore a creation, that you will restore broken hearts, that you will right injustices. God, we rejoice because of that promise and we cling to it and we cling to you. In every, in every home and every place where we are worshiping together as Providence Church in this moment, we rejoice because you are a God who is with us even when we can't feel it. God, come through your word today. Remind us of your desire to be in relationship with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, I'm Mark Youngman. I'm one of the pastors here at Providence Church. I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, wherever you got to celebrate it, however you got to celebrate it, I, I hope that it was happy. And while you're thinking about the holidays, we want to kind of fast forward um, on your calendar to Christmas Eve, actually December 23rd and 24th. We are looking forward to, to uh, hosting Christmas Eve services here at Providence Church, but this year they're going to be drive-in style services. So on the 23rd at 7 o'clock, on the 24th at 5 and 7, we're going to be inviting people to come in in their cars and worship on the hill, and we'll, we'll worship together. It's going to be a beautiful night. Our team is actually working, working hard to make it just a really special thing. So it's not going to be maybe typical, but it's going to be beautiful. And so we'd love it if you would go to prov.church slash sign up and go ahead and save your spot to be with us on those, on those evenings. We'll also be um, having worship online as well for those of you who are a little bit farther away. Earlier, before our service started, you saw Pastor Pierce and Pastor Angela light a candle down here on our Advent wreath. And Advent uh, for us means, it's, it's this word that means arrival or coming, like we're looking forward to the arrival of God coming into our midst. Now, we know that a lot of you have been, for the last several months, you've been worshiping with us online. A lot of you have been in your living room, even when that like was no longer quaint anymore. You kept worshiping in, in your living room, and we're so glad that you've been with us through all this. And so as we've been approaching the Advent season, we began to wonder together here at Providence Church, like, how can we connect this, the Advent wreath, and the, this sign of our anticipation of Jesus coming at Christmas with your living room? And so our team has put together, they've worked really hard. We've, they've developed some, some Advent boxes that if you're in the area here, we'd love for you to come by and pick one of these up. In the box has candles where you can make your own Advent wreath. Actually has a prayer and a guide for lighting each candle each week as we kind of move our way towards, towards Christmas. And then we have this special box for Prov Kids families to come and pick up as well that has activities every day of the month during Advent um, that you can do. And it even has some of the materials that you'll need to do that at home together. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we'd love for you to come by, and they're going to be available today out in front of Providence Church. Come by and get those um, as long as they last, and if we run out of those, we'll tell you how to, how to keep participating with us during this Advent season, but we're so excited about it. When, when Pierce and Angela lit this candle down here, um, they told you that the candle represents hope in a season of waiting. 
Now, my family has decided to participate this year in a more active kind of waiting. We actually, we started in uh, early September. We kind of declared and claimed and proclaimed that it was Advent already because we've kind of celebrated Advent together as a family over the years. And so we're like, you know what? We are looking for Jesus to show up. And we're going to start in September because we really want to see Jesus come into our world in a new way. And so we've been saying together, come, Lord Jesus, over and over again, come, Lord Jesus, into this season. Now, I held off the troops as long as I could, but it was early November when I finally broke down, broke away from my long-held tradition of waiting till after Thanksgiving to put up the Christmas tree. This year, it was November 7th. <laughs> the tree went up on November 7th in the Youngman household. And I know some of you are, like, if you were in the room with me, you'd want to throw things at me. You're judging me, and I get it, because I've been in the seat where you sit right now all of my life. <laughs> but there was something about this year that allowed me to break down and go ahead and put the tree up one week after Halloween. <laughs> because if we need a sign of hope one week after Halloween, then so be it. <laughs> We're going to do it. I think what our family really put up on November 7th was a sign of defiance, a sign of light in the darkness, a sign of light in our very home. So it's really clear. I mean, we started off this way. This is going to be a Christmas like no other. So I'll go ahead and put a tree up on November 7th. But I also think that this Christmas feels already a little bit like some things I know about the first Christmas. See, in the world that Jesus was born into, there were people who were facing an uncertain future. Like on a daily basis, it, thing, it seemed like things were getting worse. They were under Roman rule, and things were kind of going downhill for the people of God. So much so that some people began to doubt that God was even still with them. People were hoping to hear like anything from God that might give them a clue that he's still aware of their struggles and that he actually still wants to rescue and redeem them. Also, at the time when Jesus was born, the people were undergoing a census. They were being counted by the government. Can you imagine? They were going through that when Jesus was born. And get this, among the Israelites, differing groups with very differing, different ideas about how things should be done began pulling apart the fabric of their society in order to prove that they were right. And all of this was in the context of a 400-year apparent silence from God. Now, some of you have been walking with Jesus. You'll say, well, it feels like it's a little bit of a season where I haven't heard from God. 400 years, the people of God that, that thought they had not heard from him. It had been 400 years since the last word recorded in Malachi in the Old Testament. So God's people were holding out hope for four long centuries, hoping just to hear from God. Now this year, 2020, has no doubt felt longer than most to most of us. Do you remember when we made it to June, and we were like, this coronavirus thing is hanging around forever. And now here we find ourselves in November, and we're like, we are done with this. <laughs> Come, Lord Jesus. You might want to say that with me. Come, Lord Jesus. Which, by the way, is a great way to start Advent. 
the sense of longing for a new thing, a renewed sense of hope, you can almost see it on us. Even when we're wearing masks, you can see it in our eyes, like we are looking for something new to happen in our world and in our lives. And so we come into this season of Advent, I think, with a pretty good understanding of some of what the first Christmas might have actually felt like. Now, before we get into the Christmas story, we'll get into the Gospels and we'll be with, we'll be with those the entire month, but I want to start by sharing some even older words with you. I really, I like old words. I like words that can kind of help us like get a running start into the story. So these are some words that were recorded about 600 years before the birth of Jesus. And they go like this. And as you hear this, kind of see if it resonates with anything that you might be feeling right now in 2020. Here's what the prophet Isaiah said. Oh, oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. So much so that the whole earth would notice it. It would tremble. People would notice. Who was Isaiah talking to in these verses? He's talking to the God of the universe, the God who created him, the God who had been trying to redeem his people and and working out a rescue plan for all of these years, a God who at some time seemed so far away. So Isaiah is saying, would you just, you, you seem far away. Would you come down? Would you break through anything that's between us and you and come to us? I tend to think of our hope as kind of being like on a timeline. So we've talked about 600 years before Jesus came this cry to come down. And 400 years before Jesus, the hopeful people of God were withstanding generation after generation of waiting for it to come true. And then 2,000, a little more than 2,000 years ago from our day, we get to this story that feels like it took place so long ago, and yet it feels somehow strangely familiar to us. God chose to step into human history to put on skin and risk everything to rescue us. So the hope that we talk about today in the beginnings of Advent has roots in that very first Christmas. Here's what, was putting, here's what putting hope on a timeline can reveal to us. Hope is renewable. Hope doesn't just get used up and washed away. There are some days where I need to hear that. There are some years where I need to hear that. I have experienced the thrill of hope in my life, and so I can believe that I can experience it again. It's renewable. And because of that, we share in this, really the same story every year at this time, and it never gets old. This is from Luke chapter 1. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, when an angel appears to you, it's either really good news or maybe not so good news. You're either highly favored or not. But in this case, the angel says, the Lord is with you. So the Lord is with Mary. She's highly favored. But still, even with those words of comfort, it's an angel, right? It's an angel that's standing in front of her. And so she's frightened. And in fact, it says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words. It goes on, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid. 
you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. His kingdom will never end. I think it's really important at this point to point out that Mary was afraid. Like, I know I said it, but let's go back to it. She, she was afraid in this moment. You know, we can easily make our, our Bible characters into heroes, and then we wonder why we can't live up to them. Look, Mary was afraid. Like, she was legitimately afraid, not just because it was an angel, but even because of the, the things he began to say. But notice that the angel, he doesn't shame her. He doesn't say you shouldn't be afraid. He, says, he introduces her to reason to have hope. He says, it's like, I understand you're, you're afraid, but you don't have to stay here, and here's why. Your son's kingdom will never end. There is a future for you and for God's people. So does the angel saying that to Mary mean that she'll never be afraid again? You know, like when she's explaining the fact that she's pregnant and a teenager and unwed? Or like when she's riding pregnant on a donkey through the desert? Or when she's giving birth in a barn? Can she not be afraid in that moment? Or what about when she's watching her son dying on a cross? okay for Mary to have some fear? But from that moment on, her fear was wrapped in hope. And maybe you need that for yourself. Our fear is being wrapped in hope. One of my favorite lines from a song comes from the hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Be glad I'm not going to sing it for you. <laughs> it's it contains this beautifully terrifying image of Jesus dying on the cross when Jesus, the Savior of the world, had a crown of thorns placed and pressed onto his head, nails placed in his hands, and nails placed in his feet. And here's the line from the hymn that gets me every time. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. From the same wounds on Jesus' body flowed sorrow and love at the same time. You know, I think life is complicated like that. You know, we can feel happy in one moment and sad in another moment, or we can feel happy and sad in the very same moment. We're complicated, and our experience of the world is not, is, is, has a lot of, like, all these things just kind of mingled together, right? And I think that the Christmas story is like that as well. Mary, in this part of the story, experienced fear and hope and joy and sorrow. She felt supported and a little bit alone. So if you get a tinge of fear, even in this season of Advent, remind yourself that it's wrapped in hope. Our fear is wrapped in hope. All right, so back to this angel encounter with Mary. To this great promise from the angel, Mary asked, how will this be since I am a virgin? Reasonable question, Mary. How can this be possible? Here's one of the traps I think that we fall into when it comes to hope. We are willing to be filled with hope as long as it makes sense. We can see the whole path. We get the whole deal. It makes sense as long as it fits into our categories. And so we can put our hope in all kinds of things and all kinds of people because they're tangible. We can touch them. We can grasp them. We can see them. 
But placing our hope in God requires suspending our limited understanding of what is actually possible. Mary was learning a, a, how different her life was going to be and how different, what a different kind of life her son's life was going to be. You know, she was engaged when the story starts, and, I, and maybe she had like certain hopes, certain expectations about what her life, even just the next few years, were going to look like. And now she was having to learn to let hope extend beyond what she had known to be possible. Because hope be- extends beyond the reasonable. If you think you know what's possible with God, I'm just going to invite you to step aside for a moment. The angel answered her and said, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. In other words, the angel is saying, that's how. That's how it's possible. The the Holy Spirit will do it. And don't worry, no one will ever think that it was just you bringing about the hope of the world. The hope of the world is coming through you, but it's not of you. I think Mary seems like she kind of internalized this, and she said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So to recap, We've heard from a prophet 600 years before Jesus. We've heard the silence of God for the 400 years before Jesus. We've heard the announcement of Jesus' arrival. And here we are 2,000 years later, and the same hope comes to us. Do do you hear the words of Isaiah maybe just kind of like echoing in your current reality? Because you're thinking about the world around you. You're thinking about what your loved ones are going through right now. You ever hear Isaiah just saying, oh, that you would come down here. Oh, that you would just rip it open and come down here to us, God. So hope meets us in a really profound way in Advent of 2020. The hope of the prophet, the hope of the people, the hope that mingled with a teenage girl's fear meets us this year, right now, in this moment, in this season. Now here, this is probably the, the, best, the best part. The timeline of hope that we've been talking about, it extends much, much further. In case you've been thinking this, the hope of the world is not going to end with us. No matter what you're seeing around you, no matter what you're hearing or or feeling, the hope of the world will not end with us, I promise. Because ultimately, hope is actually a future-oriented faith. We've been looking back a lot We do that a lot with our faith, but then we kind of like pull it forward, and now we're being invited to pull it forward and even on into the future. The things that you hope for, right, they're mostly things that are in the future. Most of the things we hope for are good. We want good things for ourselves. We want good things for others. I believe that's true, but God wants even better things for us. One of the ways that we show that we have our hope in the future is by investing in the present. This year at Providence Church, this is so exciting, we are going to be doing another Christmas Eve offering. We've done this for the last several years, in which um, you'll be hearing over the next month about a couple of amazing ministries that are in and around Christmas Eve. We're going to be receiving an offering of which 100% is going to go to these really worthy causes. Uh, one of them is called Compassionate Hands, and it's right here in our area. It's, it's a ministry among those who are experiencing homelessness right here in Wilson County, where Providence Church is located. 
That ministry has purchased a building this year and is in the process of purchasing that. And we have been partnered with them. So we want to come alongside them and help them um, in that process so that there is a place right here in our community where people who are experiencing homelessness can find shelter and can find resources and find help to move into the life that God truly desires for them. So part of our offering is going to go to that. Another part of our offering is going to go to our friends at Grace and Glory. Grace and Glory has started an academy in Haiti several years ago, and we've also been connected with them and seen God do beautiful things in that place. It's a, it's a school that uh, provides education and food for 300 students. And so our offering this year is going to go to feed 300 students for an entire year. We show what our hope looks like by, by, poor, by investing in the present right now. We're invited to do that in this Advent season. This is going to be a Christmas like no other. As I mentioned off the top, Advent, that word simply means coming or God coming towards us. And since hope is on this timeline, Jesus came to us 2,000 years ago. He comes to us today and he will come again in the future. So I've repeated this phrase several times to you, and I've actually been repeating it all year long. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. There's one more image I want to share with you. It's actually kind of a future image. So you can see the hope in the timeline in the future. It comes from the book of Revelation. It's this description of, of Jesus returning, and he says, Behold, I'm making all things new. Jesus says, surely I'm coming soon. And then the response in Revelation is, amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come. So if you're experiencing some fear today in this season, remember that our fear is wrapped in hope and our hope is wrapped up in Jesus. And Jesus is wrapped up in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger on Christmas Day.